So I know that that power, that presence, that creative spirit is here with us, in us, as us, flowing through us, right here, right now. I allow myself to feel that presence as it flows through me. I know that that presence is in each and every one flowing through as we creatively move through our day. And so as as we acknowledge that, let us know each for ourselves that as that power moves through us, as that presence elevates us, that we move through this day and each day into the future at a plane that is elevated above where we are now. We allow this community to assist us, each and every one, to bring that vibration up a little higher, a little closer to that spiritual oneness that we each experience. And I take my time with that deep breath. I feel that power. We experience that power as it moves through us, that presence, that loving kindness. And let each one of us lay claim to that. And knowing that that is so, knowing that as we claim it, it is ours. Together we say, and so it is. This year our theme is... um Spirituality in action, kind of a taking it to the streets. We might want to do that song sometime this year. Um, a few years ago at the Eugene New Thought Rally, they, their theme was taking it to the streets, and they used the Doobie Brothers' uh, taking it to the streets song. So maybe we can play with that sometime. Might have to change a couple of lyrics, I'm not sure. <laughs> but in order to move into action, so it's taking this spirituality into action, into motion, doing something with it, not just sitting with it. We're not a we're not a sit on the meditation cushion and chant, you know, for years kind of kind of teaching. That's not what we're about. We're about how can we live lives that express this teaching, and then how can we, as we find our own lives in balance and in harmony, and as we're starting to feel healthier and better about ourselves, how can we take that out and support others? So that's what we're going to play with this year. Is, is that moving that, that moving it out. But in order to do that, we have to have a strong base or foundation in our spiritual teaching, right? Yes? Gotta have a foundation. So, the electricity is out at my house right now because of the windstorm. And so, in the middle of the night, I, I kind of woke up. It went out probably about two in the morning and, and I sleep with a, a CPAP machine and about two in the morning I realized it wasn't CPAPing anymore. That means it's not blowing air in. And so, um, CPAPing is a new verb. Haven't you heard that? Okay, yeah. I just, just made it up myself. Um, so I got up in the middle of the night, and, and usually there's a little bit of ambient light in my house, but, but from, from various and sundry, you know, things. And, but apparently there wasn't last night, and I went into the bathroom thinking I knew my way around my own bathroom, right? <clears throat> I didn't. 
I got slightly disoriented and jammed my toe right into the wall of, of where the shower is, the corner, right in the corner. So it's, it's a little sore this morning. And it reminds me of a foundation. You know, it's not a foundation that, that's quite as stable as it was yesterday. Right? And so we want to have a foundation in spirit that we are grounded in, that we stand on firmly, that allows us to then move forward from that foundation. So this month we're going to be looking at that foundation. We're going to be taking the first four chapters of the Science of Mind uh, book that, that our founder Ernest Holmes wrote so many years ago and, and playing with that. This is the closest I get to Bible thumping, you know. There it is. It's thumped? Okay, good. Uh, that's not a Bible. That's the Science of Mind text the book. And so the very first chapter is called The Thing Itself. The Thing Itself. He was trying to get away from the word God that had so much emotional latent you know, meaning to it and, and tied to it. So he started by calling it The Thing Itself, which actually is a term that he borrowed from the Greek philosopher Plotinus um, a few years earlier. A few years, a few thousand years. And Ernest says that the study of the science of mind, which is our teaching, is a study of first cause spirit, mind, or that invisible essence, that ultimate stuff and intelligence from which everything comes, the power back of creation, the thing itself. So when we use the term God, we're not talking about a big guy sitting up in the sky. We're talking about this infinite power and presence and essence, this, this, this stuff, I like it, the ultimate stuff, that's his word, and intelligence from which everything comes. So that's what we're playing with. And so as we begin this year, we begin with a look at what is behind, within, around, and through all of life. God in everything. What is that thing? What is that? And we'll go on with, and how do we relate to it? How do we interact with it? Because that's also, it's nice to know what it is, right? But what it is is totally useless to me if I don't know how to interact with it, Yes. I can see the most delicious piece of chocolate sitting in front of me, but until I interact with it, it's useless to me. So we take a, we're going to take a look at how it works, how we can work with it. Most of us have grown up with lots of different ideas and, and, and misconceptions about that thing itself. Yes? A lot of us got raised with some stuff that, that you know, like it's a judging, angry, and punishing God, right? Uh, or... We have to earn its love or its goodies, if you will. Or it has a plan for each of us, and we have to somehow figure that out. I think it was a Paul Simon song, God makes his plans, the information's unavailable to the mortal man. And so that, we, we have this belief that it's, it's remote and removed. It's out there somewhere, not related to me. And I've got to reach for it. And I've got to worship it and adore it to please it. And even then, it's capricious. Even when I do everything right. I mean, I'm a minister. Why would I jam my foot? Why would God let me jam my foot into the shower? (laughs) I always love that question. How could God let this happen? That's sort of like saying, you know, if somebody falls over, how could gravity let this happen? Like gravity was supposed to intercede with your clumsiness and falling over? No. You know? Oh, and then one more thing about God. It's a guy. It's a white, straight, male God, right? 
So we have these misconceptions, right? Anybody else ever hear of any of those besides myself? Okay, good. Lots of people. Let's look at a different possibility, okay? And I'm going to start from literally the very first page of the Science Mind textbook, paragraph two, in case you want to follow along while you're pulling your books out. And yes, that's a joke. To suppose that the creative intelligence of the universe would create human beings in bondage and leave them bound would be to dishonor the creative power which we call God. To suppose that God could make us as, in, as an individual without leaving us to discover ourselves would be to suppose an impossibility. Individuality must be spontaneous. It can never be automatic. The seed of freedom must be planted in the innermost being of, ourselves, of us, of each of us. But like the prodigal son, we must make the great discovery for ourselves. So let's unpack that for a moment. To suppose that the greatest, the creative intelligence of the universe could lead us, leave us in bondage. Bondage is any form of limitation. Any form of limitation. The truth of each of us is we are unlimited beings. Breathe that in for a moment. Say it with me. I am unlimited. Now, it doesn't mean that we know how to be that yet. And that's okay. That's where compassion comes in. But we are un- the potential of who we are, we are unlimited. We are not held back by anything in the universe. To suppose that, that God made us as individual without leaving room to discover ourselves, we're not robots. We're not pre-programmed automatons that are out there trying to find our way and our plan, Right? See, I like to say the good news, bad news of this teaching. There's lots of good news, bad news to this teaching, right? As there is in any teaching, by the way. The good news, bad news is we're free to create what we want. Some of us have to learn by creating messes. Others of us are smart enough to watch other people create messes, figure out how they did that, and then don't do that. That's called learning from others' mistakes. So there's no master plan which would negotiate our, our individual ability, and our freedom. The only divine plan is that freedom itself. And we get to discover and express that freedom however we want. So in order to experience and apply our freedom, in order to experience it and apply it, we have to gain an understanding of the principles by which the universe works. So the thing itself, this thing itself, is simultaneously love and law which is the being and the doing of the universe. It's also the being and the non-being of the universe. It's the yin-yang of the universe. It's the masculine-feminine aspect of the universe. And if we're not talking paradox, we're not talking God. God is a paradox. It's not this or that. It's this and, it's that, and it's more than that. Nels Bohr, who was the, the, uh, one of the godfathers or fathers of uh, quantum physics, once said, if you're talking about quantum physics and you're contemplating quantum physics and you don't get a little dizzy, you're not really understanding quantum physics. Okay? And it's the same thing with God. If you're contemplating God, if you're not just a little kind of dizzy, or wait, how can both this and that exist simultaneously? Then we're not really talking about the fullness of God. So we stretch. 
anybody who says, I know what God is, it's this, is lying to you. Because it's beyond that. Okay, so we're just pointing our finger in a direction. So God is not some conditional big guy who will love you if you're good, whatever the current definition of good is. Did you notice that changes over generations? Okay. It just is love. When we talk about, when Ernest talks about God being love and law, God is love. It's not loving, it is love. I remember that quote, I've, I've, I've said it a number of times from the New Thought writer Emily Cady, who said, God is not, a, God is not loving. Can't get your attention, right? God is not loving. God, that is, God is not a being that is loving. God is love itself. We're immersed in it. We can't get away from it. No matter what you do, you can't get outside the love of God. Breathe that in for a moment. And whether we recognize it or not, whether we even know it or not, we're still in it. Isn't that cool? Yes? You know, sometimes we get like the fish who goes searching for water. They've heard about this thing called the water. And the fish goes looking for the water. But the fish is already in the water. So this love is deeply personal. And I, we know that because God manifests as persons. In case you're not sure, look at the person next to you. That's a manifestation of God. And then the person is looking at a manifestation of God. That's you. So we know that it's personal as love. It expresses this love. The other aspect then of this one is what Ernest calls law, which is the mind in action, the process of the creation. It's the way that this infinite expresses. It's the doingness, you might say, of the universe. And the core law process is that what we put into this mind, we can take back out of this mind. What you put out comes back to you. As you do unto others, it is done unto you. Every spiritual tradition has talked about this particular law. It's the core of the universe. And it's said that the one mind contemplates this universe into being. The one mind contemplates this universe into being. And because it is all that there is, because there is no spot where God is not, because God is all there is, because it's the only thing there is, it has to be, its nature is fully expressed in every point of space and time of itself. You with me? No. God's nature must be everywhere present. There is nothing of you that you would say is not you. Right? You don't sit there and go, well, my pinky, that's not really me. I'm not sure what this pinky is doing here. It's really outside of me. I am who I am everywhere. God is what it is. This infinite presence is what it is. It's nature. So it's nature of love and law. It's nature of expressing life and and wisdom and intelligence is everywhere present. Nothing missing anywhere. Does that... Is that better? Okay. So its nature is is always the same everywhere. It doesn't change. We are within that. Thought and form. So the universe is both the thought and the form itself. 
It creates out of its own substance. It is the substance out of which consciousness or its thought creates. That's the paradox. It's both non-form and form simultaneously. Breathe that in for a moment. Let your mind get kind of like jello, <laughs> jiggly. Get a little dizzy if that's okay. It's all of that. They're two sides of the same coin. It takes a perspective shift. It's sort of like, you know, when, in the, for those of you who saw the movie, uh, The Matrix, when, when Neo starts to see the data stream, they're still the agents, but he sees what's behind them. When we can see God in everything, we start to see the data stream, if you will. Sure, there's still the, the, the other aspect of it. But it's like one of those, those pictures where if you shift your, your vision, you're seeing a different image than the first one. Okay. So that's what we're doing with, with this, this presence, is shifting our vision to where we can see more of it. Where we can see the principle in operation, and then once we can see the principle, we can start working with the principle. And then we can create lives of great magnificence. So both aspects of this one can be described as impersonal. If you understand that impersonal means it doesn't play favorites. It doesn't play favorites. So you are immersed in this deeply personal love, each of you, fully, completely. You can't do anything to get out of it. This is where Jesus says that the rain falls over the heads of the just and the unjust alike. This presence is everywhere present. You don't have to be good to earn it. And you don't have to, you don't push it away if you're bad. This is why some people say, it's like, I don't understand why people who are morally bad, whatever, again, the current definition of bad is, you know, are so successful in some aspects of their life. It's like they understand the principle of life in that area of their life. They may not understand it in a larger overall, but they understand it at least in that area of their life. So this applies equally for all. It's, it's like mixing color. You know, if you mix color, anybody can mix. If you put blue and green together, or blue and yellow together, you're going to get green, okay? And it's going to work for anybody, right? Whether they're rich or poor, famous or not famous, tall, short, man, woman, anybody. Gay, straight, any skin color, it's going to work. It's going to work on Thursday as much as well as it does on Sunday, it's going to work in one place as much as it does the other because they're working with a principle of color mixing, right? The principle doesn't change. And so that's how this principle, when, when Ernest describes it as impersonal, it means that. It means it's not going to change. It's not going to, on Tuesday, it's going to operate differently than it does on Thursday. The infinite principle doesn't give a hoot if Mercury is in retrograde or not, one of my favorite little things. Okay? It's still working exactly the same. Gravity, electricity, these are things that work the same way right now. Some of us are very aware of the flow of electricity and the principle of electricity and, and the fact that the principle of electricity is working just fine right now, but the transmission for carrying it from wherever it comes from to our houses, is perhaps not functioning right now. Kind of like our lives sometimes, right? These principles work, but sometimes we get cut off or we cut ourselves off. Yes? Yeah. Doesn't mean the principle doesn't work. It means that we are not learning how to use the principle as well as we could. And so that's what we're going to play with over the next few weeks. So since this thing is all there is, every aspect of it, 
must be an expression of its nature. And since the one creates by contemplation or by thought, because it's all there is and because everything, which is us, by the way, we're in this thing, right? Okay? So we are of its nature. So if it creates by thought and contemplation, guess what? We create by thought and contemplation. That's how we create. Everything is created twice, first in thought and mind and then in form. This microphone was a divine idea in somebody's mind. And then they moved it into form. The, the pew you're sitting in, the chair you're sitting on, this building, everything was first an idea that then moved into form. So we create the same way. And throughout this month, we're going to drill down to what that really means and get better and better and better and build a stronger and stronger foundation of it. Okay? And how to really apply it, how to deeply apply it. So this week, what I want to invite you to do as a spiritual practice is two things. First, Become aware of your deep-seated beliefs and your ideas about this thing itself, about this God. Because we all still have some of these. I I remember I was in religious science for 10 years uh, at a particular point in time. I did magnificent spiritual mind treatments. They sounded fabulous. And one day I was paying attention to myself energetically, and I was sending that prayer out there to something out there to bring my good from out there over here to me. That is not what we teach. But that was my ingrained old Catholic doctrine, belief system, still kind of coming through. God's up there. Well, yes, God is up there and down there and over there and over there and all through here and, and all that stuff. Okay, so paying attention to what am I really believing? So many of us say we believe one thing, but when the, when we get pushed, when the chips go down, something else triggers, right? So if I jam my foot into the shower, the first thing I go is, why me? That's my old victim consciousness coming forward. Now, I didn't stay there, by the way. More than for two or three hours. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) So what is it that I really believe? What is it that when the chips are down that I really believe? Because if we're going to take this spirituality to the street, if we're going to move it out into action, guess what? We're going to be challenged. We're going to be challenged. What do I really believe? And that's why we need the foundation, a strong foundation, that when we're looking at stuff, that the general thought that doesn't understand these principles wants to say, oh, that's that, we can stand and say, no, that is not the truth of that. The truth of this is something different and see the principle and see the data stream working. So that's the first thing, is become aware of your deep-seated beliefs and ideas about the thing itself. And then secondly, contemplate this infinite one. Spend time just contemplating its nature, the love and the law, and your place in it, your oneness with and as it. Spend time contemplating that. How magnificent you are. That's your assignment this week. Contemplate how magnificent you, because you're God in form, are. Are you willing to play with those two? Uncover the deep-seated beliefs and contemplate how magnificent you are. You're not responsible for anybody else and how magnificent they think or don't think they are. You. How magnificent am I? So that's our, that's our practice this week. So in the teen room today, we had, James brought us a bunch of bananas and oranges and markers. And what we did is we wrote down things that 
we regretted or that we wanted to let go of from 2018. And then we peeled the fruit and saw how good it was underneath and ate it, some of us. So the, there was an analogy there and that sometimes what you can do with bad feelings or anything that you want to let go of is that you can just peel it off. But sometimes it's harder than just peeling it off and the ink gets on the fruit.